6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck continues his teaching on the book of Psalms, chapters 107 through 118. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. In the Hebrew, it says, uh, yod heh vav heh, Jehovah, in other words, in the minds of some said, and the next word is Adonai, but in the word Adonai isn't just the word Adonai. It has a little yod at the end of it, which makes it possessive. That's why it doesn't say Lord, it says my Lord. The entire enigma that Christ laid on them hung on a little mark that you and I would consider a blemish in the paper. A yod. One of the 22 letters. And that reminds me, of course, of Jesus' explanation of hermeneutics for us. Think not that I come to destroy the Torah of the prophets. I come not to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say to you, till heaven and earth pass, one yod or one tittle, one yod or one tittle, shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. A yacht is that little mark. It's one of 22 letters that you and I would mistake for an apostrophe. The tittle is a little hook on some of the letters. Well, let's move on. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning. Thou hast the dew of thy youth. See, this verse, of course, speaks of the coming of Christ on the earth to rule in Zion. And uh, the Lord hath sworn, will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The epistle to the Hebrews spends three chapters amplifying that whole issue. That he's not a priest after Aaron, which was a temporary priesthood, is a hereditary priesthood under Moses. No, Jesus is of the tribe of Judah, not Levi. So his priesthood is not of Aaron. He has a different priesthood, a, a, a more senior priesthood. We encounter Melchizedek in Genesis 14, and it shows up in two, three verses, and it's, that's it. Except for Psalm 110, this one. And then the writer to the Hebrews spending five chapters on the subject to point out that Melchizedek was unique in that in the record there's no beginning and end of days. That's important spiritually. And for that reason some people have all kinds of speculations but I'll set those aside right here. But the main point is that he was a king and a priest. He was king of Salem which later becomes Jerusalem. That's as early as Genesis 14 realize. He's a king and a priest. And Abraham gives him tithes. And the writer of Hebrews makes a big point that Levi was still in Abraham's loins, so to speak, you see. And so that makes Melchizedek senior, if you will, to, to Aaron, and, or to the Levites. And uh, 
Also, it's interesting that Melchizedek administers to Abraham bread and wine as a sacrament. That's very, very interesting. That begins a chain of references on bread and wine that climaxes in the Lord's Supper. But let's move on. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through the kings in the day of his wrath. Think about what that means. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. Mind you of Gideon, doesn't it? Heavy stuff. Psalm 110. We could spend the whole evening on it and not do it justice, but I've given you enough hooks to run with on your own, I hope. Let's move on to Psalm 111. And uh, this is another, by the way, when you say praise ye the Lord, you know what what the word is in Hebrew? Hallelujah, right on. Hallelujah, praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all of them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endureth forever. You know, it's interesting. The current thinking today within the secular world is to attribute the origin of the universe to natural causes. That's not only wrong and contrary to the teachings of science, the real teaching of true science, it also is a stratagem to take away from the glory of God. Every time you fail to acknowledge God's creatorship of the universe, you're, take, you're, you're denying His glory. You're t- attempting to separate God from His glory. And it's interesting that in, uh, among cultures, there is a specific judgment pronounced on those that fail to acknowledge Him as Creator. We always focus on redemption and God's plan for redemption, indeed. But more, even before that, the most fundamental bedrock of faith is to recognize him as creator. And if a culture fails to do that, there's a specific judgment pronounced on that culture. And it shocked me to discover this. That judgment is homosexuality. Read Romans chapter 1 from verse 20 to the end. And it's, I always looked at homosexuality as an individual choice, an individual sin, as Leviticus and others would amplify. It never hit me that God gives them over to that as a response to their failing to acknowledge him as creator. Interesting. This continues. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He hath given meat unto them that fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. God keeps his promises. He hath showed his people the power of his works that he may give them the heritage of the heathen. The works of his hands are verity, or truth, and judgment. All his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. And the next verse, we have a very strange use of a word. He sent redemption unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. That title... Only God is a holy God. And that title should never be applied to a man. No preacher should really be called reverend. I know many do, and that's a style issue. This is a title for God alone. Should be cautious of that. 
I, I, I've intercepted every time I've ever caught someone trying to apply that term to me. Because I can tell you I'm not. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And uh, I think any knowledgeable pastor would prevent that label from being put on him. But I realize there's a cultural style that for practical uh, purposes may overrule that from time to time. But let's be sensitive to the use of that word. Psalm 111.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Boy, there is a whole catalog. You can make a whole catalog of those references. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom indeed. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. And that is Psalm 111. Let's go on to Psalm 112. This is another of the hallelujah psalms. These psalms uh, are called the hallelujah psalms. And this also, the last one and this one, are, are acrostic in Hebrew. That means each verse starts with a different Hebrew letter. And this one has, uh, we missed that in the English, of course. All 22 Hebrew letters are represented in the Hebrew version of Psalm 112. It's acrostic. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Interesting verse 1. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. I won't ask for a show of hands, but you might mentally answer this. Do you delight in his commandments? That's what it's saying. Think about it. Pray about it. Unto the upright there riseth light and darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely hath not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. That's a secret, by the way. You know, we constantly see dark clouds on the horizon. and Indeed, as stewards, we need to be aware of them on the one hand, but never to be frightened. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Verse 7. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. Horn being a emblematic of authority. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall Perish. Praise God. A little brief psalm. There's a whole bunch of these little ones. Then we have Psalm 113, and we have these um, uh, uh, Hallel Psalms. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations. Notice this isn't Jewish. It's all the world. And his glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God? Who dwelleth on high? Who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. He raised up the poor out of the dust. He lifted the needy out of the dunghill. That he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Another one of these little, uh, you know, Hallel Psalms, as they call them. Okay. And they begin uh, or conclude with a hallelujah. That's what distinguishes these. And uh, now, 
in Psalm 113 to 118, they're sometimes called the Egyptian Hallel as a group. But anyway, Psalm 114, when Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob, from a people of a strange language, you remember that uh, when Abraham first went to the land of promise, he was a stranger there. And God told him and his people go down to Egypt, and that four centuries later, they would come back as a nation. They went down as a family, they came out of Egypt as a nation, and uh, so the nation was born in Egypt, and also anti-Semitism was born in Egypt. Judah was his sanctuary, and Israel was his dominion. The sea saw it and fled, and Jordan was driven back. Remember, he parted the waters, not only in crossing the Red Sea, but also crossing the Jordan under Joshua. These are all sort of, the more you know about biblical history, the more these things will sort of fit in. And the mountains skipped like rams, and the little hill like lambs. What ailed thee, O thou sea, that thou fleddest? Thou Jordan, that thou wast driven back. Ye mountains, that ye skipped like rams, and ye little hills like lambs. Tremble, thou earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of God of Jacob, which turned the rock into standing water, the flint into a fountain of waters. Twice he did that. And they think they found the rock there in Jabal al-Laz, interestingly enough. Okay, so that's a halal psalm. Here's another one, Psalm 115. Some believe that these Hallel Psalms were sung in the upper room the night of Gethsemane. The reason they believe that, we, I assume, is because the, it's generally a Jewish tradition that the Hallel Psalms are sung at every one of the major feasts of Israel. Certainly at Passover, but also the other feasts as well. And so because of that, most commentators take for granted that the Hallel Psalms were sung the night that Jesus administered the Last Supper. We know they sang a hymn before leaving and going to Gethsemane. And uh, many believe that this particular psalm was among them, that the Lord, you know, uh, commemorated that, the Passover that night by administering the Lord's Supper. But it's sort of provocative for us to think through that the, as we read these psalms, that they were sung by our Lord himself when he was among his disciples. We don't never visualize Jesus leading a song fest, do we? But he did. He did. And uh, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory, for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. See, the, 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 you say he is our God. Why doesn't he deliver you? That's sort of the flavor here. And they're going to be yelling that the next afternoon. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes they have, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet they have they, but walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. Now this is interesting to have this in a psalm. I can, you know, I can visualize the Lord Jesus joining in them, singing this, you know, parody on idol worship. But you can't read this without going back to Isaiah. In Isaiah, let's see, where have I got it here? I think I've, yeah, okay. Isaiah 44. We're slipping from the Psalms to Isaiah is what I'm trying to remind myself here by the little mark. He heweth him down cedars. Speaking of the idol, idol you know, the idol worship. He heweth him down cedars, taketh the cypress, the oak, which he strengtheneth for himself among the trees of the forest. He planteth an ash, and the rain doth nourish it. 
Then shall it be for a man to burn, for he will take thereof and warm himself. Yea, he kindleth it and baketh bread. Yea, he maketh a god and worshipeth it. He maketh it a graven image and falling down. So he takes this tree that he's burned for food, to heat his food. He takes part of it, then he carves himself a, an idol, right? He maketh it a graven image and fall, then he falls down before it and worships it. He's not, Isaiah's not through yet. He burneth part thereof in the fire, and with part thereof he eateth flesh. He roasteth roast, and is satisfied. Yea, he warmeth himself, and saith, Aha, I am warm, I have seen the fire. And the residue thereof he maketh a god, even his graven image. He falleth down unto it, he worshipeth it, he prayeth unto it, and saith, Deliver me, for thou art my god. Does that look ridiculous to you? That's the intent of Isaiah, and that's the intent of the psalmist. Now let's go on with Psalm 115, verse 8. They that make them are like unto them. Ooh, that's interesting. We could spend the evening on that one. They that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. Do you worship the world? Most people do in their careers, their ambitions. What's the world like? Is the world forgiving? No. Is the world harsh, cold, and unforgiving? Exactly. If you worship the world, you will become like the world. Fill in the blank with whatever you may be worshiping. Whatever it is like, that's what you will become. That's what this is saying. If you worship Christ, you will become like him. We become like the things we worship. If you worship gold, silver, whatever, you worship the world, if you worship man, whatever. Psalm 115, very, very key verse here. They that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. Boy, that's a heavy verse. We each need to pray that through. That's an example of a verse which demonstrates that this superficial skipping through the Psalms is almost sacrilegious. One of my frustrations in this last assignment, this book that we're going through, the book of Psalms, is that you can never get your arms around it. You know, most other books, there's a point at which you've read most of the commentaries, you, you've got your arms around at least which are the key controversies. You, you can somehow get closure on it. You can't do that with the book of Psalms. It's like trying to herd a group of kittens or, or pin jello to the wall or, you know, there's all these idioms you could use. You just can never, because it is so rich, so full, you could take any one of these and make a career of it. Anyway, let's move on. O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Missler, trust in the Lord. Every one of us needs to put our name there. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Three times here. O Israel, trust in the Lord, for he is their help and shield. O house of Aaron, that's the priests, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Ye that fear the Lord, I hope that's us, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord hath been mindful of us. It's interesting, no matter how you may feel, God has not forgotten you. There's times he may put you to the test a little bit, but he has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten me. 
The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. You are blessed of the Lord which made heaven and earth. There's no way we can get our arms around that one. That's big stuff. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. Wow. Wow, wait a minute here. Apparently, God did not intend for us to live on the moon. He's given the earth to man. When man journeys to the moon, he is more or less on God's property. Okay, go there, but we ought to go there with a very delicate attitude. Now, the, 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 the raw distances in the galaxy are going to be barrier enough for us to, wander, to, to, to wander too far. But interesting, the heaven, the he, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. We, ought to, we, ought to, we might remember that. I haven't seen that used as an argument about NASA's budget, by the way. But the earth hath he given to the children of men. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. That's a declaration of everlasting life right there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah Psalms. Psalm 116. Now remember, this is a love song. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Well, what does that mean? Have you talked to him audibly? Do you confine your prayers to just a thought life? Or in the privacy of your player closet, do you, have you ever told him you love him? Audibly? Because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. That implies to me that there's a value in audible prayer. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. Wow. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. See, the sentence of death is upon us. But it became his sentence. He did not have to die. He laid down his life for you and me. No one took his life from him. He gave it. Key point, check it out. Do you love the Lord Jesus is the question. Don't need a show of hands. I want you to think about it. Do you love his person? Do you have a personal relationship with him to know him is to love him? You can't love him unless you know something about him. You can't know anything about him unless you get the word of God. If you get the word of God, you'll learn about him. The more you learn about him, the more you love him really. I mean, really. Is there any communication with him? Do you talk to him? Have you talked to him today? Has a day passed? You should never let a day pass without discussing it with him, both at the beginning and the end of each day. Is he really vital to you. That's what the psalmist is all about. We love him because he first loved us. John reminds us in his first epistle. Peter reminds us, whom we have not seen, we love. In whom, though we now see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Remember the Lord by the Sea of Galilee asked Peter, do you love me? Asked him that three times. 
In Revelation 1, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Realize that's real. And he speaks to the church at Philadelphia. I'll make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Don't be like the church at Ephesus in the first of the seven letters who had lost their first love. They're busy on the business of the king, but they're so busy on the business of the king they didn't have time for the king. Psalm 116, verse 4, Then called I upon the name of the Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious the Lord and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. <laughs> the Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. Return unto thy rest. You know, after you have a really difficult, frustrating, pressure-filled day, each of us need to seek out a quiet place where we can confess our sins before him, read the word, and talk with him. If you're not doing that, you're not taking advantage of the most powerful move you can make. Resorting into the sanctuary of the soul. It's the only way you'll be enabled to walk and face the world for God. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered thy soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. And whenever I say that, I notice all the women sort of nod in agreement. Yeah. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. In Gethsemane, he prayed that that cup would pass from him. His holy nature rebelled at the, the idea of being made sin on our behalf. But for the joy that set before him, he endured the cross. We're told in the book of Hebrews. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of Psalms. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. Or you can call us on 1-800-KHOUSE-1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word. Music